0: This is such a cool state. I mean, come on, live free or die.
1: You're the state where the shot was heard around the world. We have less of content.
2: I don't you're aware you're in New Hampshire.
1: People in New Hampshire don't care about money. You can't buy a vote in New Hampshire. They want to see you, they want to touch you. I would like to do small groups, but if we announce that I'm coming to, like, a restaurant, all of a sudden there's, you know, a 1,000 people show up. His imagination must not be married to real power. Why not? He just don't want to see us fall backwards. You go to
0: New Hampshire, there are not any minorities there and nobody lives there. Liar!
2: Thank you, New Hampshire. And now, from the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, the existential flagship of presidential primary activity, your host, the Executive Director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics, Neil Levesque, and because every ship needs a rusty anchor, Josh McKelvin. New Hampshire Live starts now. Well, welcome back to New Hampshire Live. This
1: is Neil Levesque at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics with my... Great wingman, Josh McGelvin. Josh, how are you? Uh,
2: You're my wingman, but I'm good,
1: thanks. (laughs) How are you? I'm very good. Uh, we got a really great guest this week. With us this week is Bill Gardner. William Gardner, the legendary Secretary of State of New Hampshire. What is that like when people say that? Legendary. (laughs) Legendary. (laughs) Protector of the New Hampshire primary. The
2: vanguard. It's pretty cool adjectives associated with
1: your name. It, it doesn't
0: really
2: <laughs> mean much to me. You
0: know, well I this gotta I mean you
2: have to hear it from time to time. Heard you heard it, know, I mean it's my
0: alpha. So.
1: Other things. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of that. So I mean you just let it <laughs> well, balance yeah. out. Bill was first elected to the New Hampshire legislature in nineteen seventy four. Seventy two, sorry. He just said this. And uh, was first elected Secretary of State In 1976, so how many times since then, it's every two years you're elected by the legislature. New Hampshire has a very large legislature, third largest deliberative... um, English-speaking. English-speaking deliberative body, Um, 400 members. You're elected... I was elected three times to the New Hampshire House,
0: and if you don't count the fact that I was elected twice this time the first one I wasn't elected I see what you're doing there because <laughs> when it yeah when I was told what the vote was you won I, I because I've done over 500 recounts and whoever gets the most votes wins the election so when you get more votes than anybody else Listen. it was just I wasn't even thinking about it so um, I I I'm going down the hall, and this guy yells to me and says, "Wait! Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! You didn't win by, you won, but you didn't win by enough." I said, "What does that
2: mean?" (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about that day because it struck me at one point as almost humorous that the one person who oversees elections was now faced with the conundrum of dealing with a real question, but. The Election was yours, so <laughs> there was no person to turn to it at the was, end of the day. It end well, up working, out. it
0: was, yeah. So it, I
1: went down the hall and then I was stopped and said, It no, it, it, you it, it didn't really win. I said, What do you mean I didn't really win? So
0: I came back to my office and who was who had already called and was on the phone was John Lynch. And before we got Paula said he. He's on the phone, I picked up. He, he said, don't let him, don't let him tell you this. You won,
1: and you're the winner. And that's it. It's <laughs> over. They can't do anything about this. you won. He's yeah. <laughs> a long time supporter. He did the nominating speech for you, right? Didn't he do the nominating speech for you?
2: Not this time, but this would. yeah. The, no, he, he you did a
1: press conference. He went to, to in the caucus.
2: There wasn't okay. supposed to be He went court. in the there caucus. there was,
0: at no. the last minute, there was a the caucus. And he said, I wasn't going to go to it, but he said, you you better go. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm going to walk in with you. And I said, well, you might not be able to get in. I mean, the caucus is only for the, well, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. So he comes and he actually, I was just, I, I was doing a recount at the archives that morning. He comes to the archives, picks me up, takes me in his car. To the State House, and then we walk in to go to that caucus. Because 20 years before that, the legislature had passed a bill that the governor, at the time was Shaheen, signed that said that there wouldn't be nominations by the caucus. The nominations would be on the floor at the joint convention, that this should not be a partisan process to get there. So every time there's been a contest in twenty years, whether it was the treasurer or the secretary of state, there was no caucus. But this time there it's the very last minute, the very last minute, it was the morning of the caucus, that somebody got up and said, We're gonna change the rules. And they changed the rules right then and there, and then I was called out of the archives To
2: to come to this thing. This is plurality versus majority that wound up being the controversy, correct? I mean That was at the Joint Convention, but at the caucus that
0: was not the case. You were there for the Joint Convention. The real thing, that's where the nominations... You can't run, you can't sign up for Secretary of State like you can for Governor, Senator, all these other... There's no way to sign up for it. You can only be... Able to to be a candidate if a member of the House or Senate who was duly elected Nominate. you, right. nominates you. So that's that it's different than all the other offices.
2: You you've never had a challenge like that or experience like that in any of the prior elections. Has that changed the way you look at the process moving forward and, <clears throat> and well kind of there indicated? was a huge
0: change because for the first time a lot of money was yeah. spent and over a quarter of a million dollars and uh, a report was filed two weeks ago of all the money that came in after the november election and he paid five thousand dollars to terry norelli
2: he meaning colin on
0: the day he made the payment on the day of the election for consulting.
2: And Terry I was there be, whipping had to be <laughs> <proud of laughs> that, House of that
0: whole caucus thing. That was unprecedented. It never happened before. No one ever did anything
2: like that. But again, I mean who's gonna who's going to oversee and enforce when the election is based on on elections about who's going to be the oversee and enforcer of elections. That's it's kind of a tough one. Right, but moving forward, I mean, are you uh, going to do things differently? I mean, are you going to run again? What's your plan? Oh,
0: well, I, uh, I, I, I've never had a plan of all these years. You to, have a plan? To, Come to, on, to run? No, I don't have a plan. I mean, that, someday, you know, I'll feel like it's it's.
2: It'll be that simple.
0: You'll, you'll be, know, be done. It'll be that you'll simple. You know, that's all, even in I your office. I don't have a I, I,
1: I don't have a plan. I, I, even in your, even in your office, there's some things that um, are different about a lot of other people in, in positions like these. Um, one thing you've always told me is you've never actually set shut the door of your office in... Since 1976. You so your door it. is actually... You, you cannot, because there's piles of paper there. <laughs> but you cannot <laughs> shut the door of your office because you you never wanted people to think that you were having private conversations that you couldn't have. Um, and, and uh, you know, and secret type things. And, and you want it to be transparent. And uh, it's a very kind of different way of doing things, particularly in the state house where there's so many secrets going around. But... Um, well, the front door is
0: open. One of the only ones left that still is open. But then every other door after that, yes, it's open. But for my office, you can't shut it. If a, you can't shut it. When I got there, it's the way it was, and it's the way it is,
1: it's been, has been for 43 years now. And it's a very traditional place. I mean, when you run for president, when a person runs for president, they come in with their $1,000 check And they sign on a desk. Tell us a little bit about the desk that they sign up on. Well, until the last primary,
0: 2016, they signed on the only piece of furniture in the State House that was there when the State House opened. And that piece of furniture, I actually was the one that got it back to the State House. And at that point, that was the first time in maybe a hundred years that there was a piece of furniture back in the state house that was there when the state house opened.
1: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. So, so that was the desk. <clears throat> Once it got back, I used it every filing period for the presidential candidates to file on. It's famous so, desk.
2: They come in and where's the desk? And then, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. cool. So how would you characterize the health of the New Hampshire primary as it is today? I mean... What do you think? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. there's well, a lot of moves on it's,
0: uh, uh, Health-wise, it's it's in good health now. It's, it's old. We don't think of you know as you get older, your health gets worse and worse. But Josh knows. All but that but if this is a different. <laughs> this is the primary is not like human age. You know, the primary's in its early life still, so it's very healthy and will. And it's just been, you know, it's gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. The candidates are system. here and they're doing it.
2: Yeah, are you troubled at all about how they're doing it these days versus maybe some <coughs> of the more grassroots diner whistle stop way of doing things?
0: Yeah, well, we won't know the the consequences immediately of the change, but a lot of people thought that when television began, from your pretty close to and no more than most that that might be the death knell of the primary and and what actually happened over the course of time was that it made the primary even stronger because <clears throat> people were at the beginning because of television people from across the country could actually be participants vicariously not in person and But but they, they watched it, because it was television that let people in the 1968 primary, in other states, when they saw what happened in New Hampshire, because of television, they asked the question, why can't we have the same thing? And that changed everything.
1: And right right now, that primary
0: was the primary that because it was so significant that the little guy actually could change the course of history in a really big way, and 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 that could happen. So the primary, there's three phases of the primary. The first phase from 1916 to 1948. Where there were only delegates on the ballot. You couldn't vote directly for president, but the delegates were grouped according to what candidate they were supporting.
2: Man, the Democrats wasn't like that at
0: all. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you
2: really, it's been going nuts. So that continued from 1916
0: through 1948. But in 52, for the first time, candidates' names were listed in a column on the ballot. So if they kept all the delegates, well, there were a lot of names on the ballot, but it was a, a two-part ballot. So you could vote for the candidate of your choice, but then you could vote for delegates for other candidates. And that's the first phase. From 52 through 76, <clears throat> uh, the ballot had that combination. And then from 1980 until through now we just have the names of the candidates. So there's been three phases of how people actually voted in the primary. And and after the 1948 primary, the House, the Speaker of the House, Dick Upton came up with the idea of having the names to give people a chance to vote directly. But the can you imagine the doing that primary. Now with
1: twenty four major candidates trying to figure out who their delegates were and voting for the no, delegate yeah. for number twenty two? Well, you know, the last I like the current process better. The yeah. last
0: primary, the last primary that we had with the delegates and the candidates was nineteen seventy six. That was a primary that Jimmy Carter surprised everyone and won. There were almost four hundred names on that ballot, in addition to the names of the presidential mm-hmm. candidate. So you're right. You think about. I mean, we're having back-to-back primaries that are unprecedented as far as the number of candidates. Republicans had yeah. just under twenty, and and not that's not the only number. I mean, the number doubles when you add all the lesser knowns yeah. that will yeah. also file, and whether if this time is. Like, I mean, who knows how, how many will yeah, be. But a lot of them are
1: not just candidates. They're potential authors in waiting, I think, some of them. Just trying to get national attention for their next book deal, but who knows.
2: You know, one thing that you've always said that stuck with me is New Hampshire will keep the primary as long as we have the will to keep it. We will never, no one will take it from us. Do you believe that will still exists, or is that something that uh, you have concerns about? I... uh, The will still exists. The will still exists. It,
0: uh... They've tried a lot of different ways to take it from us. Now, they make... They haven't come up with a new idea. And, uh... And by they,
2: you mean who? Outside force?
0: Outside. Outside. To, To the to the point where we, at one time, we had two states that actually created laws in each of the states that said that the primary would have to be on the same day as New Hampshire. That's it. That's it. We're going to be the same day, and that's and how the candidates.
2: The candidates spoke then, which was great. With uh, well, the, uh, the different things
0: happened, but but we were able to figure out a way to deal with that. The legislature has... Fixed the law here to give tremendous flexibility to deal with it. But we haven't had any new ideas. There have been other kinds of. I mean, sometimes you know, in a few primaries back in the 70s, candidates skipped New Hampshire. None have since then because of what happened to the two that did. <laughs> <laughs> so once uh, it's tempting. But once candidates look back historically, there is a reason why it's very
1: dangerous. That's Rudy Giuliani, yeah. Yeah. right? And you, like, you know, and you are charged with setting the date. And what most people, particularly national reporters, I always love the national reporter that comes in and says, well, February so-and-so is going to be the, the date of the primary. It's, that's what I saw online. And I'll say, the Secretary of State has not set the date. And a lot of the times, you kind of fly down right down by the wire um, and wait, which is a great annoyance to some of these national press things that want to do debates and things like that. But uh, obviously, you've had a very successful run doing that. And But if you want to uh, increase our podcast uh, attendance, you can you can say it right now if you want. Tell <laughs> when you're going to do this oh, debate. Well, I, can
2: you go ahead? I, come, <laughs> come on, on. Give, give us a date. So what are you thinking?
0: You, this will answer. Oh, yeah, Two weeks ago, up. I was with the Secretary of State of Georgia in Alabama, and he's brand new. He was just elected for the first time. So I said, "Brad, have you uh, have you given any thought to say because Georgia is the only other state in the country that allows the Secretary of State to set the date? The only other state, yeah. and that's fairly new. The previous Governor Brian Kemp was the first governor." to be able to do it. So he said, uh, no, no, I haven't said it yet. I said, you know, Brian used to kind of let people know, you know, what are you going to, uh, and he said, no, he said, I I think we're just going to uh, take my time. I'm new at it, he said. And
2: plus he's living in Georgia. I mean, the Georgia primary doesn't have the same ring or anticipation on the date. But anyways, I already okay. put it so, so, I can't set the date. Right. I mean, somebody, somebody else can I set it, it. it. the date. You can move the date. Once you set it, can you move
0: it? I've never moved it. But you would. But I have never moved it. And I would, but I don't ever want to be in right. that situation. Mm-hmm. So I've always been patient and waited and waited until the time that I knew that no one could then do anything. Particularly with the states. I'll think about this. All the states that had laws that said they had to be the same day.
2: That's where the candidates step in. They come to New Hampshire, they say, look, I have a choice to make. Nevada wants to jump the calendar, or do I want to go to New Hampshire? And I think it's probably a safe play to say, you know what, I'm going to choose a process that's tried and true. I do want to ask you about voter residency eligibility, because by my estimation... And I'm sincere in this belief. The biggest threat to the primary exists in the notion that our elections don't have the integrity that it should. Um, are you concerned that, that some of the changes being made as far as, I mean, you, you believe in, in the residency and establishing, uh, at least some sort of benchmark. Uh, does it, does it rankle you when that, that comes back at you, the criticism that, Oh, that's a political position and to benefit Republicans. That it's not about voter fraud or anything else. <clears throat> it, it, it's uh,
0: I, I'm I'm amazed at the way the issue is being framed. The the spin that is put on this issue is like nothing I've ever experienced because. If a person truly believes in the equal right to vote, which was what the civil rights era was all about, the voting rights, the cause of voting rights. And I was, I mentioned about me with the Georgia secretary. I was in Alabama two weeks ago. Yeah,
2: keep on though. If a person believes in the right to vote, I want want to get your opinion. Well,
0: everyone, it's one of the few things in life that We're all equal. You can stand in a line walking into a polling place and you can have the richest person in the state or the country in front of you and you can have the strongest person in the back of you and the person in front of that person or back is the smartest (laughs) or the most
1: handsome
0: there's all these different ways that is not equality, but your vote carries the same weight as their votes. And that's been brought home to me many times by people who have come to me and said, I'm, a, I'm just a nobody, I'm a peon, but I've got my vote. And I don't like it if somebody takes that vote from me who shouldn't be taking it from me, because that's all I have. That
2: Belongs the, to me.
0: The, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so <clears throat> if you truly believe in the equal right to vote, everyone should be treated the same. And what happened in this country over the course of many decades, different groups were either excluded or others, it was made easier than it would be for other people. And so we've done a lot, everything that you possibly could do to stop that. But now we're faced with some people want to make it easier to vote for certain people than for others, which is exactly the path that was taken, because once you fracture it, you... It's, it's hard to put it back again. And why would we even want to start down that path? There are people now that are disregarding that fundamental right of the equal right to vote. And they're justifying it, uh, attempting to justify it. But it, what they're doing is trying to create classes of voters which is what got us into the problems that we had to deal with in the 60s. The voting rights, the whole, you know, people gave their life to uh, to stop voter suppression. There's not voter suppression in this state, because this state is the easiest state in the country to vote in. And, And they can't refute that. And it's a factual, and you can see it, the result of it, is the turnout that we have here, but we are the only state in the country that does not have provisional ballots and no durational residency required. Those two things. We're the only state. If you add election day registration to the polls, we're the only state that, if you add that to it, that has all of those three things.
2: Which is why I believe That's, that some are taking abusing the uh, ease in which people can vote. <clears throat> it's tricky business. As someone who loves the primary, I'm glad you're there monitoring it. we got to wrap this up shortly. Okay, well, the Supreme Court recently,
0: last, last year, in a decision on this, our New Hampshire Supreme Court said a fundamental principle of this country at the founding of the country was no taxation without representation. And they said, what is being attempted? Because when they were asked for this advisory opinion, is to create a situation where you can have some have representation but no responsibility to pay the tax right for, for, mm-hmm. for the taxation mm-hmm. and create groups that are allowed yeah. to, to be in that category
2: Well it, it takes vigilance and I'm glad that uh, you're the vanguard and not picking sides but' that we still have the primary. I care about it
1: and thanks for talking about it no. Thank you Bill